That's our king. There's no other king like him. He's the one we've been declaring. We have been in this teaching series called King Jesus. We have been lifting him up as the king of the universe who has come and invited us to participate in his kingdom, to dwell in his presence, and to live in obedient discipleship with him. Come on, that's our king. We're actually wrapping up our King Jesus series today. If you missed any of the first three parts of the series, go to our website, go to our podcast, get caught up. It's been an awesome declaration. But today for part four of our King Jesus series, we're going to look at immersing yourself in the presence of King Jesus. Immersing yourself in the presence of King Jesus. And if you look at your notes, and if you're with us on the digital campus, the notes are attached to the video on our website. Or if you're with us on our podcast, the notes are attached to the podcast. But here in person, the notes are inside your bulletin. And you can see in your notes that what we're going to do today is we're really going to break down those two words, immersing and presence. We're going to talk about immersing and presence. Here's our big picture point today. Kingdom discipleship requires fully immersed followers of King Jesus, not sprinkled followers. Fully immersed followers, not sprinkled followers. And of course, we're talking about the age-old debate about baptism. And, and is baptism done with adults in full immersion or is it done with babies and sprinkling? And obviously, you're going to get the point today from us that we're all about the full immersion. Just getting sprinkled is not enough for what we need in the kingdom of God. Just getting sprinkled is not enough to fulfill the mission of King Jesus. He needs some followers that are fully immersed. So we've been breaking down the Great Commission, and we're going to look at the last two phrases of the Great Commission that we haven't studied yet. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to start reading in verse 16. It says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is where we want to talk about immersion, right? Being fully immersed. You see, in the, in the Greek language that, that, that the book of Matthew was written in, if he had used the word bapto, that word means to dip. But Matthew didn't use the word bapto. He used the word baptizo, which means to wash by fully immersing. And in fact, there was really no good English word to translate the Greek word baptizo. So they just invented an English word called baptize. And obviously the ceremony of water baptism is to be fully immersed underwater and then to be lifted up. It's a wonderful ceremony, but the idea is that you're not just dipped, you're fully immersed. It's kind of the difference between like dipping your tortilla chip in the salsa, 
right? Which you want to dip it in. You want to get the salsa, but you're not going to leave it in there because then your chip gets all soggy, and that's just gross, right? So, um, but if you're going to make pickles, if you're going to pickle a cucumber, you don't just dip that cucumber in the pickling liquid. You fully immerse it in the pickling liquid, and you leave it in there until that cucumber is transformed, and that's the idea of immersion. We're not just looking for a quick dip in Jesus. We don't want to dip in Jesus and then come out and still be exactly the same. No, we want to be fully immersed in King Jesus so that we are transformed and we come out something different. That's the idea of immersion. This concept of water baptism. And so you can see in your notes, I want to give you three words that, that really help us to grasp what this idea of immersion is and this concept of baptizo, of, of being baptized. The first word I want to give you is identity, is identity, right? It says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I love this. The word name is singular. It's one name. He doesn't say baptize them in the names of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, no, baptize them in the name because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is our one God, unified in the Trinity. It's one name, and when we are baptized, we are baptized into that one name of our King, and we find our identity in that name of our King. And the key to that is knowing who we are because most of the time, when we choose to sin, most of the time, when we choose to give in to temptation, most of the time, when we make a decision that is contrary to the nature and the character of God, it's because we have forgotten who we are. If we were to remember who we were, then that temptation wouldn't have any power over us. If we were to remember who we were, we wouldn't choose to walk down that path. We wouldn't go that way. And so the immersion, the, the baptism is so important because that is where we find our identity. We are the people of King Jesus. And we can make our decisions based off that, saying, no, I am a son of King Jesus. I am a daughter of King Jesus. And that is not what the king would have me to do. That is not who the king would have me to become. It doesn't matter if my flesh wants to do it. It doesn't matter if my selfishness longs for it. It doesn't matter if my pride wants to rise up. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. John Maxwell was doing a leadership seminar, and one of the speakers that spoke before John Maxwell spoke on a, a, one of the great corporations that had fallen into corruption, and the, the, the executives of the organization had fudged the books and, and laundered the money and falsely reported and, and, and done all of this stuff until uh, they were caught, and these executives went to prison for many, many years, and the, the organization crumbled, and the corporation no longer exists, and they talked about this, and then uh, as, as John Maxwell was was doing a panel afterwards, they asked him, what happened? Why did these guys get together and think they could get away with it? And his answer was really simple. They forgot who they were. They forgot who they were. When we stay fully immersed in King Jesus, we don't forget who we are. 
And we don't make the decisions that take us down that path. We don't have to walk down that trail. The second word I want to give you under the idea of immersion is commitment. Is commitment. To be fully immersed in King Jesus requires a commitment. Wholehearted. We talked about Ahaziah during during worship. He did right what was in the sight of the Lord, but not with a whole heart. There wasn't that level of commitment. And this idea of commitment, as I was pondering on this, it's kind of the difference between being a tourist or being a resident. Right? Before I was a resident of Kauai, I was a tourist in Kauai. And it's completely different. And to be honest, being a tourist is so much easier. Why? Because being a tourist, you're not committed to anything. You just get to come and enjoy. You don't have to go to work while you're on Kauai. You can just enjoy all of the best of what Kauai has to offer. For the most part, the the residents are happy that you're here because you're spending your money and you're feeding the economy. They're just happy that you're leaving soon, right? And and as long as you just relatively respect the land, they're okay with you, right? Come on, it's, it's easy to be a tourist on Kauai. And so I came and I was a tourist, and then we made the decision we were going to become residents. And it's totally different. Why? Because to be a resident means now you're committing yourself to the island. You're not just here for a moment to enjoy yourself. No, you're here. And when you're committing yourself, you're committing yourself to learning the culture and understanding the culture and embracing the culture and, and becoming a part of, of what the island is. And, 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 and you have to deal with the fact that that you're coming in as an outsider and, and you're not a tourist anymore. Now you're an outsider who lives here and you've got to be committed to work through that and, and deal with that and it's, it's much more difficult and now you have to go to work and you have to do the everyday things that you didn't have to do when you were a tourist. It's harder to be a resident because it requires a deeper level of commitment. And the same thing is true in the kingdom of God. You can be a tourist in the kingdom of God. You just be like, hey, I'm just here to enjoy myself. This is a nice place to be. God gives good gifts. But I'm not really committed to anything. It's so much harder to be committed, to be a resident of the kingdom of God. And you say, well, why would we do it if it's harder? Because Jesus said narrow is the path and difficult is the way that leads to life. Listen, following Jesus is not about doing the easy things. Following Jesus is about doing the hard things. And being fully immersed in King Jesus is to be fully committed to being a resident of the kingdom of God. And that means to live in alignment with the kingdom, to live the way the king wants us to live, to be committed to the sacrifices it takes to be a part of the kingdom, to be committed to to giving all to our king. And listen, the world needs this level of commitment. Listen, the, 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 the world is already experiencing the fallout in their lives of, of, of half-heartedness. They're already experiencing the fallout in their lives of lack of responsibility and lack of accountability, right? right? They're already seeing that. They're, they're seeing that with, with kids, seeing it in their parents, and their parents not being fully committed to sticking around and raising them. They're already seeing it in their marriages and not being fully committed to their marriages and seeing marriages falling apart. They're already seeing it in their jobs 
jobs and not being fully committed to their jobs or being half-hearted about going to work. And the world is already experiencing that. So if they see followers of Jesus, if they see Christians that are half-heartedly wandering around in the kingdom of God, why would they join you? They say, I've got enough half-heartedness in my life. I've got enough lack of commitment in my life. I got enough lack of responsibility in my life. I'm looking for something greater. And when they see the commitment in your life, they'll see something greater. Immersion is commitment. And the other thing that's important, the third word, immersion is continuous. Immersion is continuous. This is not a one-time act. Now, your water baptism can be a one-time act. And the water baptism is a public display, right? We do it in front of people. We do it to publicly declare on the outside what Jesus has done in our hearts on the inside. But immersion is not just the one-time act of being water baptized. It is a continuous state of living. It's the same as marriage, right? What if all you focused on was your wedding day, the public ceremony, all right? And we had our public ceremony, we had our wedding day, but now that our wedding day's over, I'm just going to live like I'm not married. I'm going to have other people in my life. I'm not going to cherish my spouse at home. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to live as an individual, right? It doesn't work that way. You can't have the public ceremony and then live like it didn't happen. It's got to be continuous. It's not just the wedding day. It's the marriage. And it's continuously living as if you are married. It's continuously living in that covenant that you and your spouse made before God and walking in that covenant. Immersion is the same thing. Yes, it starts from a water baptism. And if you have not been water baptized, I would encourage you to do so. Come let me know and we'll do a big celebration. And we'll do a water baptism and get everybody baptized who needs to be water baptized because it's important. Jesus told us to do it, so we should do it. The water baptism is the beginning, but it's not the end. We don't get water baptized and then go right back to living like we did without Jesus. We get water baptized, but then we live continuously in the immersion. We live continuously in covenant with King Jesus. You guys following me? So the immersion is where we find our identity. The immersion implies that we have made a commitment to be residents of the kingdom. And the immersion is continuous, not just one time, but every day, all the time, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about presence. Let's talk about presence. Verse 20, Jesus said, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so the first phrase in your notes there that I want you to see is, behold the presence of King Jesus. Behold the presence of King Jesus. Here in the New American Standard Bible, it says, and lo, I am with you. Well, what is that word low? We don't even use that word anymore. Nobody talks like that. Well, if you read other translations of the Bible, it actually says, and behold, I am with you always. What does it mean to behold? It means that something is right in front of you so that you can see it. 
Right? And so when Jesus says, behold, I am with you always, what he is saying is, behold, my presence is right in front of you. You can see it anytime. It's available to you. That's what the word means. Think about this. Pilots, uh, when the Jews had brought Jesus before Pilate, he took Jesus back. And he had the Roman soldiers scourge him and whip him and beat him. And then they bring Jesus back out because Pilate was hoping that would be enough to satisfy the Jews that they had tortured Jesus. And so they bring Jesus out and they put a crown of thorns on his head and he's covered in blood and his skin has been ripped to shreds and he's been horribly brutalized. And then Pilate says, behold the man. Why did he say, behold? Because Jesus was right in front of them for them to see. It wouldn't have made any sense if he had said, behold, and there was nobody standing there. Pilate said, behold the man. To behold something means it's right in front of you for you to see it. And so when Jesus said, behold, I am with you always, he says, you can always see it. It's always in front of you. And we can struggle with this because we don't always see it. Why? Because a lot of times we're looking for the big thing. We're looking for the supernatural miracle. We're looking for the mighty breakthrough. And we miss the fact that his presence is always available. That he's always right there. He could be seen in the most common elements of your day. He could be seen in the small moments. He could be seen in the simple things where you see God's love. It's always there. He is always available. Right? He says, behold, I am with you always. That word always actually is every day. Jesus said, behold, I am with you every day. I'm with you on your good days, and I'm with you on your bad days. I'm with you on the days that you're broken, and I'm with you on the days that you're feeling whole. Right? I'm with you on the days that you failed, and I'm with you on the days you're being restored. I am with you every single day, and you can behold my presence every single day. Come on. He's available. He's always there. First word I want you to write down under behold the presence is experiential. Experiential. The presence of our king is to be experienced. It's not just to be talked about. It's not just to be learned. It's not just a concept that we discuss in a classroom. No, it is something to be experienced. Man, when you read through the Bible, read about people experiencing the presence of God. Right? Think about Moses who experienced the presence of God in a bush that was on fire but wasn't consumed by that fire. And then later in life, Moses experienced the presence of God on top of a mountain that was completely covered in smoke and lightning. And he experienced the presence of God upon that mountain. Right? Joshua experienced the presence of God when the commander of the Lord's army stood before him dressed as a mighty warrior. He experienced the presence of God. Right? Think about Isaiah. He experienced the presence of God as he saw the glory of God and the train of God's robe filled the entire temple. 
Right? Ezekiel experienced the presence of God as he saw the presence of God come upon him as a man sitting upon a throne. But the man, the top half of him, was like molten metal. Metal that was so hot it was glowing. And the bottom half of him was fire. And Ezekiel experienced the presence of God. Right? All of the disciples walked in the presence of King Jesus in his earthly form, but Peter, James, and John saw Jesus transfigured on the mountaintop as he glorified, as he turned into the glory of God. John experienced the presence of God as he saw King Jesus riding on a white horse with a sword coming out of his mouth and his eyes blazing in fire and his robe dipped in blood and on his thigh was written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Listen, the presence of God is something to be experienced. We need to experience it, man. If you have not had experiences with the manifest presence of God in your life, then it is something to pursue. I love this. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Right, come on, this was not something that Peter learned about. This was not a class on the Christ. This was a revelation from the presence of the Father. The kingdom, the presence of our King is something to be experienced. And it's something that can be experienced every day, every moment of every day. Behold, it's available and we can experience it. Amen. Amen. Second word is hunger is hunger. The presence of God is something that we need to be hungry for. As we go back to Matthew 28, and we kind of skipped over verse 16. We didn't really focus on it, but it says, the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Think about this. Jesus was resurrected just outside of Jerusalem. Right? That's where he found his disciples, was just outside of Jerusalem. So here the disciples have, have encountered the resurrected Jesus. They are celebrating. They are rejoicing. Jesus is with them. And ultimately we know that Jesus wants them to camp out in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit is poured out and the Holy Spirit was going to send them around the world. So they're already in Jerusalem and Jesus wants them to stay in Jerusalem, but he says, I want you to go all the way to Galilee and I want you to meet me on this hillside. And if you think about that logically, it's like, well, why? We're already in Jerusalem. We're already with you, Jesus. This is already where you want us to be. Why do you want us to go completely out of the way just to meet you on a different hillside in Galilee? But here's the thing. This is where hunger kicks in. We don't question why. We just know if that's where Jesus is going to be, then that's where I want to be. And so what did these disciples do? They made the long journey from Jerusalem all the way back to Galilee to get back to this hillside because, hey, if there's a chance I'm going to meet Jesus, it's worth it. If that's where his presence is going to be, then that's where I want to go. It doesn't matter how long the trip is. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make any sense. I want to be in the presence of Jesus. Jesus, and that's where these disciples wanted to be. There was a hunger. 
There has got to be a hunger in our lives for the presence of God. A hunger that makes it a priority. A hunger that says, you know what? If I need to wake up early in the morning to make sure I've got time to pursue the presence of God, then I'm going to wake up early in the morning. If that means I've got to put my phone down a little bit more so that I have time to pursue the presence of God, I'm going to put my phone down. If that means I've got to turn the TV off, then I'm going to turn the TV off. Whatever it takes, I'm going to make it a priority to pursue the presence of God. I'm going to make it a priority to get into the secret place and spend time and behold the presence of my king available to me today. I've got a hunger for it because I want to have that experience. Why? Because the third word I want to give you is the word abide. Abide. And I want to read to you John chapter 15 as Jesus talks about abiding, but I want you to know this. The, the Greek word for abide is the word meno. Meno. And meno means to remain in a place or to continue in an activity with an expectation of something. It's to remain in a place or continue in an activity with an expectation of something. So to abide, to meno means I'm going to stay in this place until God shows up. I am expecting something to happen. I am expecting to encounter the presence of God. And so I'm going to stay here and I'm not going to move until I experience what God has for me to experience. Or it means to continue in an activity. I'm going to continue in this activity. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep pressing in because I know that if I keep pressing in, I'm going to see the breakthrough. I'm going to see the result. So I'm going to keep praying even when I want to give up. I'm going to keep worshiping even if I haven't experienced anything yet. I'm going to keep sharing the gospel even if nobody's gotten saved yet. I'm going to keep doing it because that's what abiding is. I'm going to abide. Now let's read the passage from John 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruits. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And here we go. Now Jesus gets to the point. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine from which we receive everything, every nutrient, every bit of strength, everything that we need to grow and produce fruit, we find it in the vine. So what do we have to do? We have to abide in the vine. Separated from the vine, we shrivel up and die. Separated from the vine, we give up. We run out of strength. We run out of energy. We run out of passion. And apart from the vine, we can do nothing. But when we abide in Jesus, we will produce the fruits that he created us for. We will live the life that he has called us to live. Well, let's continue. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Listen, if we abide in the presence of God, our prayer life is going to come alive. Now, does that mean that you can just ask for a private jet and God's going to give you a private jet? No. 
Because if you're abiding in the presence of God, then the things you pray for are going to be in alignment with God's hearts, not with your selfishness, right? So when we abide in the presence of God, then our prayers reflect the heart and nature of God, and God will answer our prayers, and our prayer lives come alive when we practice the principle of abiding in the presence of our King. Verse 8, my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Do you know that there's two things that Jesus said will prove that you are his disciples? And neither one of them is saying that you're a disciple. Hallelujah. Come on. There's two things Jesus said will prove that you're a disciple. One is the way you love each other. And two is the fruit of the kingdom of God that your life produces. That's it. That's what proves it. And how do we produce that fruit? We abide in the vine. Let me have the worship team come back up today. Come on. I want us to immerse ourselves in the presence of God. I want us to be marked by this. You can see in your notes, it says the promise of his presence was attached to the expectation that we would be on mission with him. Right? The promise of his presence was attached to the expectation that we would be on mission with him. And so what are we going to do as we conclude this teaching series? We've learned it. We've studied it. We've declared it. Now we've got to live it. What are we going to do? We're going to live fully surrendered lives to the authority of our King Jesus. Whatever our king wants, that's what we're going to do. We're going to live fully surrendered to him. We're going to live with a full awareness of who our king is. He's the king of the universe. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He is above all. He's over all. He's in all. He's through all. He's our everything. And because we are fully surrendered to our king, we are going to live on mission for our king. And we're going to live on the mission of making disciples who will make more disciples. And how are we going to accomplish that? Are we going to accomplish that in our own strength? No. Apart from him, we can do nothing. How are we going to accomplish it? We're going to live fully immersed lives, not sprinkled lives. We're not going to be casual followers of Jesus. We're not going to be tourist followers of Jesus. We're not going to be tortilla chip followers of Jesus. Come on. We're going to be fully committed residents. We're going to be fully immersed. We're going to be fully pickled for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. We are going to immerse ourselves in this thing. We're going to live this thing because that is where we're going to find our life. Hallelujah. Stand up with me. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to make one last declaration as a part of this teaching series. We have declared that King Jesus is a better king than me. We have declared that we're going to do it his way. We have declared that we're going to make his mission our mission. And now our final declaration today, make it with me. Say, I am fully committed to the kingdom of King Jesus. Now all together... To the kingdom of King Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, would you immerse us? Oh, God, would you send your presence upon this place? Oh, God, would you cause a hunger to burn in us?
Oh, Lord, that a collective hunger will bring a corporate visitation. And so, Lord, let us hunger collectively after you. Oh, that, Lord, you would come and encounter us with your manifest presence. Let us live lives marked by your presence, fully immersed, not just once, not just twice, but continuously, fully immersed in your presence, God, that we would walk in the fullness of your power and your glory and your goodness, that our lives would be marked by your presence. Oh, that people would experience in us a level of commitment, a level of power, a level of joy, a level of love that they cannot find anywhere else. Oh, Lord, and that it's through your presence that we will fulfill your mission. Through your presence, we will fulfill your mission. So we worship you. We give our all to you. We pursue you. We hunger after you because we want to be a people that abides in your presence knowing that your presence will abide with us. Open our eyes and cause us to behold, King Jesus, that you are right before us every moment of every day, always ready, always available, always accessible to touch and change our lives, to equip and empower us, and to send us out on mission. Thank you for that, Jesus. We give you all the praise in your mighty name. Amen.